Hello and welcome to Film Kid Asks, the podcast where I ask questions to working professionals in the film industry from the perspective of someone just getting started. My name is Jordan and today I'm joined by Ken Filowich, an editor from projects like Heartland, Ginger Snaps Back, and The Smalls Forever is a Long Time. He's also directed on shows like Heartland. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ken. Thanks for having me. So you studied at Nate, which is a technical college. What was your experience like at film school? I, I went to university uh, and also did a film. I started in film studies at the university. And it was the first year of the program at the U of A. And I transferred into it. And I really enjoyed the theory stuff. But I, it just it wasn't the best way for me to, to learn. And there was this, I, I missed the hands-on stuff. And it was the, uh, an early program. So when I didn't even know about Nate and when I heard about it, and I applied and I was so thrilled to get in because I instantly just felt more comfortable because it was, we did things and, you know, I'm old enough that the gear back then, you couldn't just take your iPhone and film. Like we, we were actually doing film and we were, you know, so it wasn't as easy to make stuff. And so film school in many ways was just about the opportunity to do things. Unlike now where, you know, the best thing people can do is just go out and shoot your two-hour film on your phone. But uh, yeah, and for me, really, it, it became uh, the connections at film school. I still work with some of those people that I met 28 years ago in film school. And really, it is a chance to just work hard and have fun doing that before it gets too serious. Because once it is serious, it is it's, it gets harder to have fun, I think. And I guess the only other thing I would say is really for people, I didn't quite... I knew a little bit uh, to, to to just look at the other disciplines because everyone wants to do something. Everyone wants to do camera, everyone wants to direct. Or, but if you do look at other disciplines, even that early on and realize what other people might be up against or what their interests are, that really does serve you later. Yeah, for sure. No, it's uh, we in first year, we did a lot of well, we did entirely film. And in the first semester, we did all of the editing on yeah. the actual film and I have to say I have so much appreciation for editing when you have each decision that you make is so permanent um no it really made me value editing even that much more and respect it that much more so I can only imagine but um but yeah so I mean you already kind of touched on this but is there any other advice that you have for people that are in program film programs right now and how to best make use of their time there yeah I mean just keep you know, do do all those projects that they ask you to do. And then you have a, a group of like-minded people. So maybe do some other projects that, you know, like do your own stuff. And that, that's invaluable because, and, may, and maybe change it up if someone was directing and, you know, have another director and then do something else. Do something that you, do, you didn't think you'd even want to do. I think that really is the way to keep learning, you know, early on in the in the film school and not just focus in right away on what you might think you might want to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you came up through editing in news and have worked in documentary and drama and music videos, commercials, you name it, you've pretty much done it all. How do you think editing in all of these different genres and formats has affected your approach? It's interesting because I think times have changed again because previously in years past, you would get pigeonholed and you were a, a a comedy editor or you were you know the long form drama i was lucky in that i did get to do so many different things and the one that what it taught me was that story 
is the be beginning, middle, and end of everything, whether it's 30 seconds, whether it's 22 minutes, or whether it's 90 minutes. It's a, they're all versions of the same thing. And in fact, the structures are often very similar. So story is the same. The reason I like doing the different types of editing is because you have to learn different ways to tell the stories when you're doing different time formats or documentary. So for me, documentary. Documentary is writing a movie. You have all this material and it's like cut and pasting. And you know, the ideal thing is like you're you're making this and do a documentary without a narrator and without title screens. And you've basically you're you're letting people tell the story, but you're essentially shaping it through their words. And that's an amazing thing. You know, commercials, you're you got 30 seconds to tell a story. How are you doing it? And so for me, it all just overlaps so much. And I'm, I feel really fortunate that I got to do more than just, you know, movies or because I, I do really, really enjoy doing the different things. That's awesome. So how would you say that working as an editor in a smaller film market differs than working in some of the bigger film markets? I know that my dad personally has said that, you know, he's had to be a bit more of a jack of all trades when he was working mm -hmm. in Calgary. Um, and just how do you think that's affected your career, but also, yeah, just, I guess your approach as well. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. I mean, that the, the the benefit is I, I've been able to do lots of different things. The difficulty is um, as an editor here trying to get things to stay into cut. So the opportunities for a lot of the bigger things just aren't here, you know, and it's a really, it's something I've struggled with for the whole time I've been in Calgary. My wife is a caution designer, you know, if you want to be a fisherman, uh, you know, and you live in Saskatchewan, you're not going to have much luck but if you know and it's very similar here like if you the coasts are where the big projects are done so i'm lucky in that i do get to do some of the bigger stuff but my options have certainly been limited over my career when when i did decide to stay here and raise my family here pluses and minuses i, I think hopefully um more and more especially editing people will get comfortable doing the remote thing is if this last year has taught us anything is we can do things remotely people are getting used to it so that might be a, a benefit coming out of this is that people will be far more willing to let oh you know what our editors and wherever and we're fine with it and here's the cut and so that's my hope for sure i mean i think we i don't want to sound too optimistic but i feel like we will see a little bit of a shift there at least so I guess kind of going off of that, do you have any advice? Because I know that there's people who want to go into film all over everywhere. Um, do you have any advice for people who do want to go to film that do live in smaller markets that want to go into editing specifically? Yeah, I think I want to keep people, you know, we, we have assistants that, uh, that I've worked with that have been great. But when there are times when I have to be honest and say, you know, you're young, you're not tied down. Your kids don't aren't in hockey here. You might want to consider moving to Vancouver, Toronto. I've I've told people that I've lost them because of it, but it is the truth. It, it there is something to that, especially in editing. So, I mean, I, I wish it wasn't the case, but I that is there is that reality to be honest. But the other part of it is also just finding the connections you can make in the smaller markets because it is so small that you really can meet some really great co-workers that will likely become your friends and 
so there is that is that is the blessing and that is the jack of all trades work hard you know that is what our crews here are known for that they have to be a little more invested because the options just aren't there as much yeah completely fair um and thank you for your candor there um (laughs) well it's true it's yeah i mean it is so what do you think are this is a very broad question but bear with me what do you think are the most important skills an editor can have well i always say that like an editor is one-third bartender one-third psychologist and one-third editor it's a re it's a very intimate space even some really accomplished directors feel intimidated by the room because it's the one space they don't control because no matter what you're walking into my office and i'm kind of flying the plane and some people are intimidated by that some people might be great directors but might have difficulty sort of relating what they want to see or what their next idea might be or you know getting that that point across so i really feel that you're the psychologist part is like you're 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 helping people along you're you're asking probing questions or leading questions and saying okay well that that doesn't quite make sense but maybe they are do you mean this is that oh i see is this you're saying you have a problem with that scene, but is it that scene or is it, is it this other scene? The bartender part comes in because people are busy and so they're calling home and having fights with spouses and children. And you know, you you hear everything. It's this it's this space where people are dealing with their lives and maybe working on their next project already or still working on the project right before. So there is this amazing sort of dynamic too that they're always, you know, so what do you think? If you were in this position, what would you do? And you do feel like just pouring them a drink. And then the last part is is actually being the editor. <laughs> and that relationship is so important. You know, the relationship between, because it is, people can be in vulnerable positions. They maybe didn't have enough time for the one scene. So they feel, oh no, I didn't get something. And really the job is to help create the story with what you have and i yeah i mean so those are the sort and the other thing about being an editor is i think you know being negative you could be negative about every single thing that comes across because it's not a perfect science so you people are doing their best and you have to be able to adapt and not say oh well why didn't they get that shot and why that that serves no purpose here's what you have here's here's your materials build the thing that they're trying to build and don't worry about what isn't there just go ahead and do it and that's sort of that's I don't know that's that's my sort of take on it yeah I mean it almost sounds like you're kind of building the safe space for the director that the director's trying to build on set Um, because I do imagine it's very vulnerable so obviously you are working in a very collaborative capacity with directors and producers and networks Um, so what I guess, how do you work to navigate those politics and create a kind of creative and collaborative environment? Yeah, I think, again, if if you have a previous relationship, there's always something to build on. So knowing the, knowing what a producer, what their process, how they like to do it. Do, do they want to view the first one remotely, have their thoughts in their office collect and then come down to, to do the cut? Do they want to sit in with you when they watch the first cut? what was discussed in prep that's a huge thing that i i try to track too is what were we talking about in prep with the directors and the producers and the actors how is that now manifesting itself with what we have and how 
how can we sort of shepherd the story through. So you do become sort of uh, a conductor in that you are gathering pieces of information, not just the footage. So it is about that talking to the director, um, talking to the producers and really gathering all the information. Because a lot of times in post, they're not always talking about that finished uh, episode or whatever. They might be talking, they're, they're in prep and they're worried about something else. So you're kind of gathering the information after the fact and sort of filtering it and, and sort of then feeding it back into the machine of post. Right. Um, so I guess going off of that, but kind of the flip side, is there any qualities from people in those positions that make your job easier? I mean, being a good collaborator is just listening. One thing I have to learn as an editor is not to not be precious about what I'm cutting because we all have egos and it used to kill me. Like I'd, I'd do a movie and there'd be 1800 cuts and someone would come in and they didn't like, Oh, well these three things aren't working and it would kill me. I'm like, well, I should have known. And, but no, everyone has different ideas about what is telling a story. They have different ideas about art. And so I have to take my feelings away and don't, you know, not get hurt every time that someone wanted to change something. So I would, I would say a good um, writer or director or producer does the same thing. They don't get precious and they don't prejudge the work. When the writer has written something and they were fighting all the way through production, when you get to the final product, you gotta just see what you have and you can't hang on to something, you know? <laughs> um, so I think any of those positions, producers, directors, any of those collaborative positions, if, if you are truly working to the best of your ability without your own ego getting in the way, it will help. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when people are saying they don't like something or why did you do it this way? But you just, that was my biggest thing is it took me years to, to allow myself to listen to people and not just be a, you know, just <laughs> butthurt all the time. I was like, oh no, why am I, you know? Oh, someone doesn't like something, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that literally every creative person struggles with when it comes to feedback and collaboration. But. Yeah. So as far as like your process, I guess, um, how closely do you work with the script on scripted projects? I'm just going to ask a couple technical questions because I think as mm -hmm. film students, there's, you know, obviously we're editing our own projects, but I think we're all kind of trying to figure it out for ourselves. So yeah, so just in a professional setting, like how closely do you work with the script on scripted projects? So, you know, it, it is the blueprint and that is what everyone is working from. The thing about series television I find is that it's pretty easy for some things to get missed, whether it's the overarching, maybe there's something in the character, a tone, just because of the way we have to shoot. So the script, is extremely important but if it isn't if it isn't shot exactly as per script then can we still convey the intention so i would say i work you know like before i cut a scene i read the script one last time look at the script supervisor's notes to see if there's anything that really stands out but then i don't look at the script while i'm cutting it i don't i uh, you know maybe i'll go back just to see if there was a line i'm not sure what it was supposed to be but again, I just, I totally let the footage tell me what that scene is going to be. And then I might, after the fact, read it, the scene again, just to see, well, did I accomplish what the original intent was? And so I would say, yeah, I mean, the script is so important. And yet 
movies, as we all know, or series, they're all they're made three times. You write them, you shoot them, and you edit them and finish them. And those are three different versions of a thought. Because what you shoot isn't what you wrote. And certainly at the end, what you have as a final product isn't 100% what you shot either. And, and my big thing there is that when you're shooting, you can't always tell what the proper tone might be. And something, a performance even on the floor, when you see something, you're like, that's amazing. You get back to the suite and it's like, oh no, wow, that didn't, actually that doesn't work at all because I forgot about this other part of the story and now that kind of conflicts and I don't like the performance. And even though this is the nicest shot in our show, I think we have to cut it. And those are the moments that you can't be thinking about the script. You have to be thinking about the end product. Um, and that is hard. And that you learn. I mean, that's the big thing. But being able to then release yourself from the script at that point and saying, well, is this A, the intent, or is it maybe even better? Does it still work? That sort of, yeah, hope that answers. It's it's a tough one because it's it really depends on the different project you're working on you know if the, if the script actually wasn't maybe not quite there when we went to production maybe you can really help out it maybe there were two things that just didn't track the whole time and you know what you solve it in after the fact so that's the best i can do on that one <laughs> no for sure um and i'm going to ask something equally hard kind of on the yeah. flip side how do you approach material that is unscripted and kind of trying to find the story what is your approach to you know starting that process yeah I mean, the unscripted stuff is, it's, it's just editors, you know, that's where you really dig your teeth and sink your teeth into the storytelling because uh, documentaries in particular are so much, you know, you, again, you go out and you think you have, well, what is a documentary? That's the other thing I ask the people I'm working with. Well, you know, what do you think a documentary is? It, is it a two-sided conversation or is it a propaganda piece? And not that propaganda pieces are bad. But are you actually trying to tell two sides of the story? In many ways, documentaries were never meant to be this sort of altruistic exploration of two sides of a story. That was never their intent, or many of the early documents, you know, that, that wasn't the intent. The way I look at it is, you know, I, I did a, a, a really fun documentary on an Alberta band called The Smalls. And we had about 250 hours of con original concert footage and interviews, probably 40 or 50 hours of interviews. And you look at that and you're making a 90 minute, you know, two hour piece. For me, it was, is what I'm doing in this shorter version of all of the material telling the story that was, you know, if I could put 250 hours in a row, is this 90 minutes a, a fair representation of the end? Because look, if we want to make someone look bad, it's pretty darn easy. I just take every time someone was, a, you know, had a little sharpness to their voice and not just non-scripted, but scripted. You can, you can make people look good or bad. So, you know, you, I guess you just kind of, you have to be your own uh, moderator that way. And I guess that's the other thing is I do just talk to the people that are, I'm involved with. It's like, well, what are we trying to do here? Are we, is, is this a, what kind of story do we want to tell? So kind of going off of that a little bit, or in, in the same realm, how, how much do you look at convention as far as genre or, you know, in, within documentary, how much do you look at convention and let that kind of dictate the way that you edit things? Um, is that something that you consider or, or do you just look at the material? What, how, how do you approach that? I definitely know 
what certain styles, uh, what what different stories they can tell. So in the documentary, um, yeah, like you kind of you get this idea, you put something together, but then you do have to back away and say, well, what with film conventions, what is what am I saying here? And that's even the same with scripted stuff at the end. Of, well, what does that push at the end really mean? You know, how does it relate to the other parts of the story? So I would say you play with that. I think that one example I'll give is the one thing I did with your dad was um, in, in Ginger Snaps and that one we did. There was this great thing in the beginning where we set up a, a nice little pace of we were burning woodcuts and then we'd introduce a character on screen and then there was another burning woodcut and we introduced a character on screen and there was a narration throughout and essentially the timing was the same. And you just get sort of lulled into this timing. And on the last one, I didn't follow the convention that I had just set up. And something frightening happened earlier than it did sort of in the first three times that we did this. And it scared the shit out of everyone because we had, we had, we had set up our own convention in 30 seconds and broken it. At the, we broke our own rule right at the beginning. So you can do those things. You can, you can play with how people are used to seeing something, right? You know, if, if someone walks into a room and they're carrying a tray and the shot is from below their waist to above their head, I can guarantee you they're going to drop that tray or there's something about the tray. If it's a, like, there's, there are ways that people tell stories and those visual clues, you have to be really careful because I like to be the one deciding what people are going to glean from the story. So you have to be aware of what different shots and different setups and all that mean, because then you, you are either playing to convention or breaking it. Right. So when you're first watching the raw material, how, how do you kind of, what are you looking for, I guess, when you're trying to, you know, start to shape the scene? So I, I do it a little differently than, than a lot of other people that I've seen, but what I like to do is I take my source material and I just create, if it's, a, if it's a scene, I'll watch the take. And as I'm going through the take, I'm picking parts that I like. And that can be performance. It can be a camera move. It can be a move within the frame. So it's the line plus a nice little piece of action in the background. Or, so just, but I take them in these small chunks and I just put them on the timeline, building the story of the scene. And then I go to the next take. And if it's a, okay, so let's say I'm doing, there's three wide shots. As I do my wide shot, every section that I look at, I take it and I sort of on the sequence decide whether I like that one better than the one I've already put down there. And if I do, I put it first. If I don't, I put it second. And I go through that whole take building a sequence. And then on the third shot, the third time through on the wide shot, I'll go through. And if I like it even more, I put it first and what i've done then is i have this huge sequence with all of the moments in the scene with all the different setups and wide medium close and i've basically put them in my favorite order and then i just duplicate that and then i go back and cut the scene and the reason i find that so interesting is that as you're cutting it you go oh you know what i i do like this performance better but i i really should be in the wide so you just go well i wonder what my next favorite was oh here's my favorite wide shot and now i put that wide in so i i kind of put all of my work done first and then i'm really 
able to just quickly go back and recut and basically trim the scene into its into the final product and then the nice thing too is that if ever you're watching and now you're like oh you know what this scene she's too angry too early in the whole overall show i can go back and say okay what were my favorite and that's all without going back to that source material and trying to find the little moments right i've sort of pre-selected them so that's my process and I, i find it really helps me not just when i'm originally cutting but when I want to make changes and once the show's together, I can go back to those original things and go, oh, yeah, now I remember why I did that because I loved how whatever, the bird th- flew through the corner of the screen and that was a great moment. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of my that's process. Such an in- yeah, that's such an interesting approach. It's something that now I kind of really want to try to see how that works for me. But, I mean, it makes complete sense as far as a way to do that. Um, and, and yeah, and just, you know, knowing very clearly what your options are, what the best moments are. That's definitely very interesting. Thank you for sharing that. So for the people who don't want to be editors, is there anything that happens on set that makes your job easier in post that we should be aware of? Um, or I guess things not to do (laughs) also. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, (laughs) and I break this, it's funny, you know, we're, um, I was wondering when I when I went to the floor to direct stuff, how quickly some of the rules that I really think are important as an editor, I would break them. And the one I I personally don't like multiple passes on one slate. But I understand why it happens. And it isn't bad when it happens, but I certainly wouldn't want to cut a whole show where every take there was okay, and but I do it now as a director. I do it on the roll, going again. Just give me the last line or something like that. But as a, as in general, I do find that if you're able to contain takes, kind of once through per, per slate per slate, I I do think that's a big one for me. But I, like I say, I understand why the rule is broken, and it should be broken sometimes if there's animal action or a kid that you can't like you know don't yeah don't cut reset and get the kid out of the moment but uh, that's a big one for me that makes sense yeah so a lot of people that are interested in editing will eventually become interns or assistants after they graduate so what qualities do you look for in an editing assistant yeah and that's a tough one because it goes back to sort of the many things you have to do as an editor with people in the room and how you work with them you need to be technical as an assistant. You, like, in fact, you, that's, it's almost unfair how technical you have to be to start as an assistant. And the only way you can learn that stuff is by doing a, a show or, you know, dealing with dits and dealing with production houses. So it, that's, a, that's a huge thing. And we just hired a new assistant this year. And, you know, one of the things that when we were going through the process, we were like, how do does this person seem like they would grasp things quickly as far as that technical side because it's not fair because a lot of times creative people aren't technical not always i think as the you know people your age come through you guys are it's a whole different ball game but certainly traditionally there was a lot of ah, a lot of people that were had a little more artistic bent had trouble turning on a computer that's not the case anymore but it's a big thing. The other thing was, you know, you really want someone that is 
what we talked about earlier, collaborative. We need someone that can, that is just a decent human being because it's stressful, it's hard, and there's no reason to make it harder within the department than it has to be. So that's a, you know, that's a big one for me too, is I don't want, I don't want to make our lives more difficult just by having difficult people around me in this little, you know, four person department. So that's a big one. And I guess the last thing I would say is how do you talk about film? Do you have references when you, when we are talking about something, can you say, well, that reminds me a little bit about this and it's terminology. And yet it's not, it's not just terminology. It's about things that you like and what, and, and being able to describe films. Yeah. Having and, a bit of a, a point of view almost. Totally. And tell me like, as an editor, what do you, what do you like as an editing film and why do you like it? And don't just say it's a good, you know, like, have you watched a film from an editing standpoint and sort of picked it apart that way? And so that's, that is a real, to me, it's a good indicator of someone sort of under, cause it's a, there, you it's sort of, I hate to say it, but some, it's like other disciplines though. You kind of have it or you don't. There's a certain part of editing you can't teach just like a good cameraman that anticipates things that you can't believe they could anticipate or see or all the rest of it. Just like a good director. There's, sometimes there's just that little bit that makes people go from good to great. And I don't think that part is always teachable. So you are looking for that. Well, what unique perspective do you bring to it? And, and there were a few, you know, people we interviewed that I was blown away by how sort of nuanced some of their, takes were and I was I was thrilled I thought wow that's that's awesome to because I I when I was young I certainly didn't quite have that understanding necessarily of some structure and things like that so yeah yeah that's awesome I mean I think I think that's obviously very important but it's also I mean I completely agree that it's something there's something that's not quite teachable with a lot of editors it's a very emotional uh almost intuition based thing something that I don't have, but, you know, uh, I just, I value so much in, in people that do have that thing. I mean, you can see it in actors. It, it, I feel like there's exactly. a lot of creative things. It's like this, yeah, kind of sixth sense that I think is just so Im- impressive. Um, you know, Jordan, one thing I'll say about that too is I always say that editing is music because, and a lot of editors are, have musical backgrounds. Me, uh, editing is loud and soft fast and slow tension and release it's just like music the if you cut something and the cut was the same every single time throughout the thing you made this it would be unwatchable if it's too fast if it's too slow the only way you create tension is by building to something and the only way you prove tension is by releasing tension so it's like you know there are times when we'll cut something or and then i'll put a music track down and it like the posts line up perfectly and the music swells when it's supposed to swell. Like it's unbelievable because you basically have this feeling of a scene and it's just a feeling. It's like when you're watching something, Oh, that, how can you feel that that was 10 frames too long, but you can. And then when they put a piece of music against them and it matches, you go, yeah, you're basically creating the same feelings just like you would through music. And that's to me something that, that's the part I don't know you can always teach. Yeah, that's incredible. So what would you say is your favorite part of your job? I'm getting the sense that that might be it, those, those moments. But, um, but yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, that is it. It's, it's, 
basically being able to put together something that people have worked on sometimes for months, half a year, a year, and you're the first person to start putting it together and to see it in its, to start taking shape in its final form and doing things that people will never know how you, whether it was an accident, you put two shots together by accident and they're the best cut you've ever made and it was a complete, you know, <laughs> fluke. Or you, you created something, you had an idea and you created it and people will never know same thing. That'll just feel like it should, of course, that's the way it should be put together. But when you look at it in its parts, that isn't always apparent. So I guess for me is that if you do something and someone's like, wow, that it just feels so right the way that that, I, I didn't think of doing it that way, but that feels so right. To me, those moments where you can give something, whether it be to a director or even just whoever, someone views it and they go, wow, I didn't think of that, even though I was part of this creative process for six months. And that's absolutely how it should be. I, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's special. So on the flip side, what is the most challenging <laughs> part of your job? Uh, just trying to have a family and any kind of social life. Not social life. You can have a great social life. Uh, but you can't. It's pretty hard to have relationships and family. It's, it, yeah, it's, that's the really, really... <laughs> And again, as I get older, uh, you know, when you, uh, that's the part that I just go, man, like for, for, for the first time, my kids are 14 and 12, my two girls. And because we were able to this summer, because for the first time in, our, in their lives, their mom and dad weren't working, we went camping for a week. And they're like, why did we not do this our whole lives? And it's like, well, because, and so it, it is a terrible thing. Um, with the hours and that's it that's I, honestly that's the only part that I don't like about it is um, how hard it can be on people around you and yeah, yeah. as you would know <laughs> yes growing up in that environment yeah no for sure um, and I think that's that's completely fair I mean maybe that will be another one of those things that sees a bit of change in COVID potentially is more reasonable hours but I that I'm not so optimistic about. We oh. shall see. You know what, though? For years now, I mean, I used to laugh when people would, there'd be new members in the DGC and they'd say, yeah, but are we really expected to do this and this and this? And you kind of, oh, well, that's the industry. And yet I'm glad that that conversation has happened because there are, there have been productions that are not allowing themselves to shoot 14 hour days and they're giving, they're making sure there's some breaks. And so, uh, yeah, actually, I think, you know, I, I hope that the new generation of filmmakers comes in and say, yeah, you know what? I actually do want to have a life outside of this and let's figure out a way to do it. And I would applaud anyone that aspires to that for sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I, that would be, that would be nice for I, I, the future. I'll, I'll stay on a little longer if it does. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll come back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll suck you back in. Oh, this will. career. Yeah, I'll be off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as, as you, as mentioned, uh, you direct as well. Uh, you've done a few episodes of Heartland now. And so how has your work as an editor influenced your approach to directing? Specifically, I did want to ask about how that's, you know, kind of affected your approach to coverage because that's what you're watching all day. Um, and just the way that you construct that on set. Yeah, I think, you know, again, 
another one of my favorite things about editing, which I didn't mention, which I usually do, is is who I get to work with. And as an editor, it's with Dad, it's with Bruce McDonald, it's you know John Boss. It's these people that, that those are wonderful times to sit and to create with people that you like and that um, you're inspired by. So. I've been fortunate in my so to, to to work with people that do inspire me as directors, and I've always tried to pay really close attention to what are they doing, how, not just what shots are they getting, but how are they getting the shots? And you know, I can learn a lot from directors by their take count, their setups, all of those things. Where it's it's basically telling the story after the fact. My bin of a scene really tells me what they, and even how the actors shape as the scene continues i can tell sometimes when a director would have leaned in and said you know what i think this is just way too much and we've lost our way let's maybe tone it down in this section then you see a little change in the acting and then the other side of it is i've also seen directors that haven't done as well on certain shows or whatever and you you do file those mistakes as well and you say okay well as a director I remember how difficult this was. I really, and I'll give you an example. And one is on, on a show like Heartland, we are often dealing with animal action, but the animal action is actually a dramatic element. It is the car chase of another, of a cop show. And it's really hard to do. And when you read it on the script and it's like, oh my God, well, how much of this is poetry and how much of this is actually driving a story? And so many times I've seen that animal action not get covered and then the story and the script doesn't hold up because that doesn't exist now so that was one for me i was like i i will always you know when new directors come on this show on heartland i always say just when you read that little eighth of a page eighth of a page don't be you know fight for that try to make that a three or four hour bit of your day because that's the part that's going to be important and that's hard that's really hard to do so as a director when I go out, that was one thing for me. And I, and I do see directors that come from different disciplines. ADs make great directors because they're really familiar with the floor. But their storytelling usually is the one thing that, okay, that's what they're learning now is the craft because they haven't spent time maybe in an edit suite. For me, the storytelling aspect is there. I can close my eyes and see how I want it covered. But certainly my experience on the floor isn't there. So that's the process I have to learn. I have to learn what are these people what 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 is everyone doing how can i best lead how that so that was you know so it, it is interesting i think everyone whatever discipline they come from they have some obvious strengths but yeah the, the, i do feel very fortunate in that when i say you know cut and check i really do feel i know because i do you know i've been trained to see in second increments i mean i when i say cut and check i i know what i have and I do. And that's, that's a, that's a benefit of what I have done in the room for all these years. Yeah. It's no, that's a very valuable skill set. I am, have no doubt. Um, that's really interesting what you said about, you know, coming up through ID versus your skill set and what you have. Cause I think, yeah, that's something that I hadn't really considered, but is, is no doubt true. So what are some of the things that you enjoyed the most about directing and I guess why did you decide to jump into the world of directing um for me it's it's a it's a, a new, it was a new challenge I had directed all you know again when I went to school I was like I'm going to be a director and a cameraman that's what I'm going to do and 
then there's 24 students and 18 of them want to be directors and there's everyone's like and so i'm like okay wait a minute i have some experience as an editor i had at that point there was another guy that was in the school that i became very good friends with and i thought oh it'll be great to be with him in editing so it's always been an interest and i've been really i actually love how it worked out for me because i was able to do some directing all through my years and uh i just i just like the challenge i love breaking down a script and in the same way that i was just sort of talking about seeing it i do love reading it and closing my eyes and seeing what i want to accomplish and the and the certainly the the payoff is when you do sit back and you're watching it through and something that was really specific and really interesting in your mind that wasn't on the page that you brought to it and it's there on the screen. I mean, that's a pretty great feeling too. That's the, you know, that's the equivalent of building something and editing, you know, building something, shooting something that the writer didn't even think like, Oh man, that's, that's beautiful. I, I didn't think of doing it that way. Same thing. I just love that. For sure. Um, so, I mean, obviously you have done, you know, you've done some second unit directing, you have done directing before, but was there any kind of big challenges or surprising challenges uh, when you did start directing more that, you know, you kind of discovered, <laughs> I guess? I, I would, no, not really. I think, um, no, I think I, I've been just fortunate in the things that I've been able to do. Uh, I've always, you know, I've had good support and yeah, no, I think, I think that's the best thing too, is that sometimes the best thing to do is to get out of people's way. Right. And uh I, I kind of knew that um, intellectually, but maybe that was one thing that I had to sort of take a step back once in a while and say, just wait, like that person knows what they're doing. Don't jump in too soon. Let them show you what they're going to do here and, and all of that. So I guess that would be the one thing that I, I think I've learned over the years is just sort of getting out of people's way and not just, <laughs> you know, not I certainly that's just not my approach I'm not an right. iron fist kind of guy I, I like yeah. to 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 give a vision and hopefully communicate it clearly to people and then see what people give back and then move forward so that's yeah I guess having that element of of trust in their abilities and their creative vision as well totally so uh, I did ask you to prepare five film recommendations yes. um, so I am going to get you to share those now with me and why you chose them well, I mean, this, this is difficult. I'm sure everyone, everyone says, everyone says because, that. <laughs> um, but I purely, I, I have to add a TV show in at the end. Okay, I'm going to go with uh, The Limey, which is an incredibly well-edited film. And if you ever want to cringe listen to a DVD extras commentary, listen to the limey director writer commentating and it is they're throwing each other under the bus the whole time it's it sounds like it's about to come into a fist fight um and they also do sort of talk a little bit about how the editing affected the show but the limey is uh, an incredibly well crafted and edited film uh, i've always loved the usual suspects there's a particular scene that i always go back to when i'm talking about editing to students or um, it's when the, the first introduction of the gimp, as they call him, uh, Kevin Spacey's character in the prison. Uh, there's an amazing moment in that film. So I, I do love that. And uh, if anyone wants to know what that moment is, it's oh, I can I can 
I'll, I'll post something. Um, but it basically gives the film away. If you're watching as an editor or as just a filmmaker, you will see that they actually give the end of that movie away in that scene and no one ever catches it. They shoot all the other characters against brick walls. They're all short-sighted. They're all on the left and right of frame. And when they get to Kevin Spacey, who doesn't even appear in that scene until the very end, he's backlit by glass bricks. He's in the center of the frame. It's just amazing. They give it away and no one ever sees it coming. So I love that. Uh, another one is Memento. I think Memento's awesome in the, the two timelines. So you have one moving forward, you have one being told basically backwards, and then they do meet. And then so, I mean, it's kind of almost, um, maybe it's the, it's, I don't know. I, 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 I just think it's, it's really well done. I mean, I think people would think that anyway, but I, I really do. Uh, and it, Godfather too. I, I always love that movie because I love how bold they were to be able to go away from one story and live it for like 25 minutes. They don't go, they don't tell those stories in 10 minute chunks. They go and they, they go back to the beginning and 25 minutes later they come back. And so 20 minutes, 15, 25. And so to be able to tell those massive chunks of story in different timelines and not be worried about, well, are people going to follow it? Maybe we should put it like they, they say, look, you either get it, you don't, and I don't care if you don't get it. And to me, that's what, and that leads me to my favorite TV show ever, which is the West Wing. The first four seasons of that show, as far as overall creativity, but in particular editing, uh, they don't care if you understand what they're talking about. They don't. And I just think that's so wonderful. And they're telling you stories. And if you're up for it, come along for the ride and if you have to rewatch something or look something up because you you don't know what mandatory minimums are or whatever the case may be i just i love that i love being challenged watching something i don't i don't want to be spoon-fed you know my favorite way of telling a story is to give away the ending i just watched um the first episodes of the right stuff and it's my favorite they, they have two people sitting at a table eating breakfast in robes in a very clinical area and they're like look don't pretend we're best friends. I don't like you. You don't like me. Leave me alone. Cut to a rocket blasting off. And they say two years earlier. And now they tell the story how we got to that moment. I, I love that kind of storytelling. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so clear when I guess the filmmakers and the editors have a certain trust in the audience. And I feel like as an audience member, you can really respect that. Obviously, if they've done their job yeah. right. Exactly. It can be challenging, but it still has to work. You know, it can't be just confusing. And then when you actually start pulling apart the threads, it just all falls down. It only works if it's, yeah, if challenging and actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah. A, uh, yes. Hard to manage, I think. Um, it is. It really yeah. is. And it does require uh, some courage, I think, on the it filmmaker's does. part. It does. But, it does. But when it's well done, I think it's, uh, it makes for the best stories for sure. But I guess that is it for today. Thank you so much for coming on, Ken, uh, awesome, and sharing too. your sharing your time and your expertise. I think this was honestly such a great conversation, especially since I am so, uh, I guess, I don't know, insecure in my uh, editing. I just sit with my projects for a million hours and try a million different things because I don't feel like I have the, I guess, technical skills or the trust in myself yet to, to like approach it with a very clear point of view. Um, there's a lot of trial and error. So I, I feel like every time I talk to an editor, um, 
I have so much respect for what you guys do. And, and I feel like this was a really great educational I don't know, interview <laughs> way to learn things. Um, no, but that's, but that's great. And you know, when I first started to audio was my nemesis. I asked Frank Loretta 20 years ago, I said, well, yeah, but Frank, how do you determine like how, when you're doing a mix and what do you, and I, I was asking all of these technical questions and he just stopped me and says, how does it sound? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, that's a good point. And yeah. that's how I feel as an editor. It's like, okay, let's, we, let's talk about all the stuff. How did it look? And how, how did it make you feel? And how did it make someone else feel? And that's it. That's, that's our arbiter. Right. And you know, it might work. It doesn't, it's not always going to work for everybody, but I think that's what we have to walk away with and just believe in that. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, fair. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that makes sense. But I feel like even just the, the kind of knowledge of how you take bits and put that in the timeline, I think that's going to be helpful to a lot of people who don't necessarily even know how to like approach it um where to start yeah exactly for sure okay well thanks for asking it was awesome and uh yeah but no i think i think this was really valuable but that is all for this episode of film kid asks be sure to subscribe and feel free to follow us on twitter and instagram or join our facebook group new episodes come out every saturday 